0: Yes, good people, it's Francis here from Let's Do Humans podcast. This is just a quick announcement, just to encourage everybody here that's listening to our podcast right now, just to ensure that you subscribe and you follow us on all of the various platforms out there that produce podcasts, that's subscribing to us on YouTube, following us on iTunes and Spotify. I mean, follow us, make sure that you share our content and continue your support, that will be greatly appreciated. That's Let's Do Humans, L-E-T-S-D-O-H-U-M-A-N-S, Let's Do Humans, one word, appreciate all your support. Stay blessed, good
1: people.
0: Well Cynthia, welcome to this New Humans Podcast hey thanks for having me <laughs> how's it feeling coming on the podcast um not bad yeah.
1: i'm feeling good
0: that's good that's good you should feel good i mean you've got the right information for the podcast so okay. you're the right individual for the setup so that's absolutely cool basically we we're talking about like hospitals um, just a couple of minutes ago so can you tell us a bit about yourself and what's your link to hospitals
1: So, I am what you call a core surgical trainee, which means I am four years into being a doctor.
0: Amazing. And
1: I have been a doctor for about four and a half years now. Oh, wow. And I I specialize in surgery orthopaedics is the end goal
0: what, what's orthopaedic just for those that don't know what orthopaedic is
1: bone surgery yeah so bone soft tissue mm-hmm. knees joints yeah. backs pelvises
0: i should know that a bit stuff. about that because um i've had a few bone issues here i've had a massive surgery where i've got like a five inch metal plate and 10 screws in my arm so oh. yeah I'm, I'm one of those people that are just prone to like accidents what did you do <laughs> Um, well the story behind it is really long I don't want to go into it in detail But I ended up snapping this bone here What is it called? Is it the...
1: So that's your humerus That's
0: the humerus that's yes. I remember that Isn't that the second biggest bone in the body or something?
1: Not quite Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah. oh no I thought it was the thigh bone I don't know The, the
1: thigh bone, bone. <laughs> The femur is the longest bone in the body And then it's your tibia Ah
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I see yeah. Yeah, This one so. was extremely painful though I, it
1: in, doesn't surprise me. It
0: was ridiculous, but yeah, that's just me when I'm just prone to injuries, so oh. I'm going to try and avoid them as much as I can. But um, in terms of being a doctor, like currently we're going through like one of the hardest times yeah. in society and in the world, being globally, um, well, it's part of history. How does it feel like being a doctor in this era and particularly as we're going through this pandemic?
1: Do you know what? I think people finally realise what the job comes with. And I mm. think this is probably the most support I've ever received as a doctor in Uh almost five years. Is this
0: from externals or internally?
1: Um, Both, both at work and externally, strangers, people. And Mm. I think that was really highlighted during the peak of the pandemic, Mm. where most people didn't go to work, were at home. And Mm. you have people like us, nurses, healthcare workers, who are having to go into hospital and expose themselves Mm. to something they really don't need to. And just the level of support that has come with it has been completely mind-blowing yeah and it's made me appreciate my job a bit more as well mm. actually i
0: think people are starting to appreciate healthcare workers a bit yeah. more now because they've been put in a predicament whereby they realize that you're putting yourself at risk because yeah. some people describe it as like seeing soldiers go off to war yeah knowing that they're defending you while yeah, you're at exactly. home in your comfort zone yeah. so but let me ask you one thing about like the appreciation how did you feel about the clapping because oh, i've had mixed oh, don't get
1: <laughs> me mis- started about the clapping <laughs> and
0: there's a reason why i'm asking you this so i remember one time i was dropping um i'm gonna say Lady A, it's, yeah. it's a family because they definitely don't want me to say their name. And um, as we were driving up towards the hospital, there's a roundabout. Yeah. This is locally, there's a roundabout by the hospital. And by the roundabout, there was these three guys that used to stand there every morning. Yeah. So as you're going around the roundabout, they're just there clapping, screaming and oh, shouting at all the healthcare workers coming in. And she was like, when they go inside and have conversations about yeah. these guys clapping, they completely hated it. Like it wasn't something they enjoyed because no. it became too much in, in yeah. your face. I understand the sentiment behind it, but sometimes the actual approach could be a yeah. bit off.
1: I just, for me personally, I just thought the clapping was a bit superficial. Yeah. You know, there's so much that can be done with the NHS, so much that can be done for healthcare workers. Mm. And it's only just recently that the wages of most healthcare workers has risen mm. beyond the rate of inflation. Yeah. And... The clapping was started by the government, you know, clap for the NHS, whereas it's the same government that's done things, that's made austerity cuts to the mm. NHS and to healthcare workers. So I just thought it was a bit superficial and it's just yeah. BS, to be honest with you. Yeah. There was yeah. no need for it. If we're going to do something, let's do something tangible. Clapping mm. doesn't pay people's wages. Yeah. Clapping doesn't, you know, pay nurses' wages, pays doctors' wages. Mm. It doesn't do anything. So you feel
0: the support from the actual general public was more genuine and more, like, Absolutely. impactful than the government yeah. initiatives?
1: I find the government initiatives, it's just it's publicity.
0: Mm.
1: Even just now they've just announced that they're giving people pay rises, whereas there's a pay rises that have been agreed upon two years ago and yeah. three years ago. These are things that have been agreed upon.
0: But these being backdated.
1: Right? Yes. So okay. nothing's been backdated. So the But will th-
0: they backdate? Is that part of the incentive? What, sorry? Is that part of the incentive to backdate the payments? No. For real?
1: No, it's all publicity. It's all press. So I think mm. one of the examples was, oh, doctors are going to get a pay rise. Well, mm. actually, what they forgot to mention is that that excludes junior doctors who mm. make up 90% of doctors. Oh, um. They've already agreed a pay freeze two years ago just mm. to keep their rate of pay along the line with inflation. Mm. And the people who are going to get a pay rise are consultants who already paid over £100,000 a year. Yeah. And... A lot of it was just, it was all publicity and PR stunts.
0: Oh, wow. It's, it's, it's tricky, man. But we're going to delve into it a bit more further. But first, tell me about your journey to becoming a doctor. Why a doctor?
1: Um, I'm not going to lie, I fell into it. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> As most people tend to fall into stuff. Like, I fell into yeah. it, so I
1: didn't know what I wanted to do. And mm. I was generally quite good at school. Mm. You know, I was that student who mm. got good grades. And I think my chief Kind of, yeah. you know, head girl, <laughs> yeah. prefect, that that person. Yeah. But I was still cool. But um, <laughs> so um, yeah. And one of my teachers just thought said, "Have you thought about medicine?" Mm. And I looked into it, and I thought, "Okay, this seems okay." Mm. And then I did work experience for a week at my local hospital when I was about sixteen, seventeen. Then mm. I applied for medicine in my final year of sixth form. Didn't get in that year, but got in the year after. Okay. And yeah, and ever since I started doing it, I've actually I love it so.
0: Mm. So now it's become I like a part i made of your the passion. right decision, yeah. Yeah, which it seems like it. But um, so. When you're becoming a doctor, there's various fields within like the medical field yeah. and there's various types of doctors, yeah. I mean nowadays they've even got doctors that are receiving certificates, but haven't actually <laughs> they're, they're not the medical doctors, they're paper doctors. I'm hoping that one day I'll get one of these papers from one of these yeah, units. just
1: an online doctorate
0: yeah, yeah online doctorate, but um how, how do you how do you sort of like narrow it down and pick like the specific name that you're yeah, special to?
1: So for me, I knew that so you have two fields you either go into medicine or you go into surgery and you have a few other niche things like obstetrics. Pathology, that sort of stuff. Mm. And the reason I picked surgery was I like instant gratification.
0: Okay. You like results. I like results. And (laughs) surgery offers you that. You know, you Mm. see
1: someone, you see what's wrong with them and you Mm. fix them and the job's done. Mm. Whereas medicine, you see you see a patient, you're still seeing the same patient one week later, three months later, sometimes one year later. Mm. Sometimes you don't even know what's wrong with them. Yeah. Whereas surgery is very black and white. You know, you've broken this bone. Let's mm. fix it or let's not fix it. Mm. Put you in a plaster cast. Give you plates and screws. Yeah. Be on your way. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like. That's why I went into surgery. I quite like the instant gratification. And also, a lot of your patients are very grateful yeah. because you can make a difference very quickly. Like mm. example, you when you broke your arm. Yeah, I'm sure once it was fixed. Yeah, you probably had a surgery the next day. Once it was fixed, probably felt a lot better. Mm. And you get that instant results mm. from your patients. Rather than you know The delayed gratification Three months later yeah, Of right. whatever could be wrong with them Or in some specialties Like psychiatry You never kill your patient They mm. will never be okay mm. And I don't, I don't really like that I, I like the instant gratification That comes yeah, with surgery To know that
0: you've done something And you've yeah. got the results But how do you deal with Like sort of like The initial gore of it Because surgery is not clean It's not It's never clean.
1: Um, I think you start at medical school, so from medical yeah. school you start going to surgery. So from yeah. medical school, you do anatomy, which is oh, if I describe it to you, it's the <laughs> yeah. worst thing in the world you know yeah. it's, it's a way of learning the human body, and people donate their bodies to science.
0: Serious? Yeah. so you're not so you're not using frogs as no no,
1: no you're using real
0: people <laughs> no way. yeah so wow.
1: you use real people, you dissect everything, you learn everything, so it, you're exposed to it from a very, very early stage, hmm. and also you kind of when you're in the operating room, you switch off. From seeing I know it sounds really bad, but from mm. seeing the patient as a whole person. You know, you drape everything. Yeah. And all you're working on, for example, would have been your arm, everything else will be covered up. I won't even be able to see your face. Oh,
0: okay, yeah. So, so it's kinda of disconnect from yeah, the Yeah, it becomes individual. an art, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Especially while you're in the operating room, it becomes mm. an art rather than you know treating the patient as a whole. Yeah. And then once the patient's awake, then you go back to treating them as a patient.
0: Mm. How do how do you deal with like the emotional aspect of it though? Because at the end of the day, you do have you do know that it's a human being, yeah. though, even though you're disconnected from yeah. the person because you're not seeing the whole body.
1: I think you meet so many people, you do so many operations. Mm. It it almost it almost becomes like clockwork. Yeah, and a lot of patients. A lot of the time, you don't get a chance to really develop that emotional connection with your patients, especially Mm. their patients who you... They're only in the hospital for two days sometimes. Uh, In orthopedics, you know, you see someone, they break an arm, you fix it the next day, you send them home the day after, or Mm. even sometimes the same day. So you don't really get to have that connection with patients. Some patients you do, Mm. but you learn very much, very quickly as a doctor to compartmentalise your emotions and not get too attached. Because you can't get... Attached to... I see, what, on a normal day, if I do a ward run, that's 40 patients.
0: Wow. You yeah. can't
1: form an... Emer- it's I the numbers kind of helps as physically well. yeah. impossible to form an emotional attachment to 40 mm. people in an eight-hour period you yeah. no, if I do a nine-hour shift it's not
0: possible no I can completely yeah same. so growing up whenever I used to like go into hospitals and stuff here yeah, my ideas of doctors were just like old people especially yeah. old men with like gray hair yeah, and stuff yeah. like that you never assume a doctor yeah, will yeah. look as, as young and as beautiful as you yeah. would do but how, how do you find that working in that type of environment where it's, there's an assumption that doctors are these old people that like are there taking care of people
1: Do you know what? I think the attitude has started to change amongst the younger generation. Mm. But even amongst the older generation at work, every time I was... Even if I say, my name is Cynthia, I am your doctor, (laughs) you
0: will have people who will
1: say, nurse, nurse.
0: Is it because they assume that you wouldn't have the experience? They
1: just assume that I'm the nurse. Like, if I, every single day, if I had a pound for every time someone assumes I'm the nurse, Mm. uh, it it happens because people do assume that doctors are meant to be old white men with beards. And that's not really the case. You know, Mm. it's a new generation. You have a new generation of doctors who Mm. are all colors of the spectrum, Mm. all ages. But I thought our generation Probably understands that A little bit more than The older generation Yeah
0: definitely Because even
1: when I have Patients in clinic sometimes And they walk in And they're just like Who
0: are you? Okay
1: I'm usually in clinic recently I've just been wearing You know Vans and scrubs They're just like Who are you? And where's the consultant? they
0: expertise though?
1: I feel like yeah. they do. I, I think if you know what you're talking about and you come across as you know what you're talking mm. about, it's very easy to convince people.
0: Yeah. Very, um, very easy. How's it been working during like sort of the, the pandemic and with the whole COVID crisis? It
1: was stressful, yeah. man. Yeah. I had to work in ICU for six weeks. Oh, wow. So all my so patients... So it's during the peak of it. All. Yeah, during the peak of it. So yeah. I was in intensive care because... It, it was just too busy mm. So my hospital was unfortunately One of the hardest hit hospitals in London wow. uh, Because it's in a suburban area So mm. it was in, it was intense yeah. Going into work every day Done in full PPE multiple times a day mm. And because I was in intensive care Every single patient had COVID oh, wow. like, So we had at one point about 20 something patients Ventilated on ventilators.
0: So these are all critically ill. These are all the So I only did the yeah. critical
1: ill, the critically ill ones. I didn't have an experience on what it was like on the mm. wards, but just it was just the mental stress of it all. Mm. I, you know, you're trying to care for your patient at the same time. You're trying not to catch COVID.
0: trying not to die. stuff. You're trying not to die in
1: the process. Yeah. You know, and ensure that you've got the right PPE. Make sure you're taking it off the right way mm. so you don't contaminate yourself. Mm. And experiencing that much death. In short, a short amount of time from your patients and also personally, mm. it was all it was all a bit much, yeah, I and can having to build up that mental resilience to get through it was something I don't think I've ever experienced before, and I didn't yeah. want to experience. I think again. it must
0: be sort of like a high level of paranoia as well, knowing that it's a virus that you can't see and yeah. it's so deadly to an extent. Oh, definitely, I was yeah. paranoid.
1: Like I had a full routine before I left work, mm. disinfect myself before I came into my house, disinfect yeah. myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just trying not to catch COVID was all mm. I was trying to do during that time. Trying to care for the patient, trying not to catch yeah.
0: COVID. So, so one thing with COVID, there's been a lot of talk about those who actually got hospitalised. Yeah. And in regards to like them having serious underlining issues. Yeah. Was that the case for majority of your patients that you ended up dealing with?
1: So when they say underlying issues, the problem is most mm. of the underlying issues was just high blood pressure. Oh, which okay. is not a serious, I mean, if it's not a serious mm. thing, I'm sure any black person... Mm. Will know their parents Their parents, friends Their aunts and uncles Who all have high blood pressure Most of the patients That was the only underlying issue they had Some of them Mm. diabetes But most of them were just high blood pressure Mm. So... I would say it was mostly obesity that I noticed Yeah. Obesity and unfortunately being black That's what I heard a black, lot about as well Being black and being Asian were probably the biggest risk factors
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean there was, a, there was a lot of talk about like The Bain yeah. community and having like disproportionate yeah. deaths as well So was that down, what, what, would you, what would you bring that down to? Because there's been a lot of debates And a lot of like articles that are yeah. read in relation to this So on one hand there's the, there's the argument that It's a cultural thing yeah. in regards to what we eat Our lifestyles, yeah. the amount of individuals That live within a household yeah. And then also on the other side There's the prejudice argument yeah. Yeah. That there's some level of, like, lack of care towards, like, the BAME community. Where do you think it tilts to? Or I, is there a combination of both? I think it's a
1: combination of, it? of multiple factors. So, an example is my ICU. Mm. At one point, we had 21 patients downstairs. We had two ICUs. Yeah. And I counted one day. just, <laughs> mm. And there were only two white patients on oh, wow. ventilators. So. Even even if you said the area was mostly us.
0: Yeah, oh
1: goodness. It was mostly Bain, that was yeah. disproportionate to mm. the number of people in the area. Yeah. And it's a few factors. Number one, it's economical. So mm. most black and ethnic minorities are likely to work in low skilled jobs. Yeah. Which means they're more likely to be key workers they're mm-hmm. more likely to be the one who are working in supermarkets or be the security guards mm. or you know that sort of stuff so you're more likely to be exposed mm. if you go into any London hospital most of the nurses are either black or Filipino yeah and that's just what it's like in london so that that's one thing and then if you are economically Disadvantage. You are more likely to make poor health decisions. Mm. You're more likely to eat badly. You're more likely to be overweight, which then puts you at risk of certain conditions like diabetes and hypertension, mm. that are the risk factors for getting COVID. So, for me personally, when it all boils, it all boils down to being an economical problem. Yeah. All right. So that's one. And then secondly, it's the cultural thing that you mentioned as well. Mm. But when you think about it, especially in the black community, there really isn't that thing where loads of people live in the same house. Yeah, that was more towards like the Asian
0: community, I think, when the research came But even a lot
1: of the Asian communities, the slightly younger ones, Mm. that doesn't really happen. But again, you're more likely to work in low-skilled jobs. Mm. So things like Uber drivers, taxi drivers, bus drivers. Mm. And if... Unless the economical side and the economical disadvantage that black and ethnic minorities suffer is addressed, I don't, I think, I don't think anything will ever be solved. Yeah. And I think all COVID did was highlight that black people and ethnic minorities in the UK are at an economic disadvantage compared Mm -hmm. to our white counterparts.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so so to me, it comes across like is a long-standing economical issue. So it wasn't just like immediately caused by COVID. It's a result of a I don't think anything historic. was caused by COVID. Yeah. I think
1: all COVID did was highlight the the economical disadvantages and the health inequalities that have mm. always existed. Yeah, all COVID did was brought it to light.
0: Mm. Do Do you think the racial inequality side as well comes into it in regards to like? so a lot of people complained that there wasn't like um, immediate action taken yeah. when we first discovered what was causing covid and yeah. also the individuals who are most likely susceptible to covid yeah. so h- how do you think the response was in regards to that were the people giving it adequate protection or was it lacking simply because of um the race of these individuals i think because i know it's a, it's a tricky one yeah it then questions everything. It questions government decisions. I think it questions policies from the very
1: get go. I think the get from the get go, the government policies and government decision making was very very slow. Yeah, and it wasn't until a lot later when it was too late that we noticed that actually a certain group of people are more mm. risk as well. Mm. But I think generally the response was very slow, mm. and it, what needs to happen now is addressing those health inequalities because all COVID has done is highlight those health inequalities. Mm. There, isn't, there wasn't as much time to do anything about it at that time. Mm. But now that we know that these health inequalities exist, then we can do something about it for if we do have a second wave, if we do have a third wave. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Most definitely. And um, also throughout the process, there's been a lot of like discussions as not just like the economic inequalities, yeah. but also some of the racial biases yeah. within the medical um, Absolutely. field. And yeah. one in particular, which recently was a really sad story about a YouTuber. I'm not Ooh. sure if you follow yeah. the story. It was a Nicole Thea, her yeah. name was. And um, there was the issue in regards to her pregnancy. Yeah. and She had some level of difficulties, which then led to her having a heart attack yeah. and passing away. And now what is your take on it? Because obviously you're a doctor, so you have more idea. As in regards to, how black pregnant women are perceived within the medical sphere?
1: I think there's a lot of implicit bias mm. in healthcare. So when you look at it, black women in the UK are, I think, five times more likely to die in childbirth yeah. compared to white women. And again, it's a few things. So the things that kill pregnant women is heart disease and strokes. Mm. So if we take it back to what I said earlier, just, bec- just by being black, you're more susceptible to heart disease and strokes. One, Mm. because of the hypertension, high blood pressure, Mm. and two, the obesity and food choices. Mm. And that again boils down to an economical thing. So that's one side of it. And the second side of it is this implicit bias that healthcare professionals don't really know that they have. So black women's pains, black women's concerns aren't taken as seriously. Mm. Their papers and textbooks from twenty seventeen, I remember seeing a textbook from twenty seventeen, this is just three years ago, that quoted that black people feel pain differently from white people. Oh wow. So things like it, this is still, is still being read in the Yes, this it, is a textbook in from twenty seventeen Oh wow That I saw I think a few weeks ago yeah. That black people Feel pain differently Black people Don't perceive pain differently So Or black people Are more aggressive So if a black woman Is ha- asking for help In mm. hospital That she's in pain It can come across As aggression And mm. not being taken seriously
0: So it's stereotypes Yeah
1: so yeah. it's a stereotype thing It's a bias thing That needs to be addressed So if mm. you NHS Trusts are starting to do that, you know, workshops and implicit bias yeah. and recognizing your own bias as a healthcare professional. Mm. But it's something that exists.
0: Yeah, but the thing is that, th- to me, what I find ridiculous is that these sort of textbooks—they need to be identified, pointed out, and yeah. then rectified or completely gotten rid of. So yeah. why are they still in circulation when we know that there's there might not be no necessarily inherent bi- inherent differences between uh, two different women feeling pain?
1: They're in circulation because people produce stupid research all the time.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
1: some researchers has decided that they were going to see how black people feel pink compared to how white people feel pink. And mm. they were going to do that by a questionnaire. And they then put it in a textbook yeah. because it's science and it's correct. Yeah. And that's how these things still come about.
0: Questionnaire yeah. researchers, to me, are the worst things ever because culturally everyone's different. The yeah. way we react to stuff is different. Yeah. Like The way we communicate within the African community is different. Because um, I had an uncle who used to tell me a story about working in a... Um, is, is a mental home the right term that oh, okay, used? Yeah, yeah, so he used to work in a mental health um, home, and um, he said that sometimes, like having when there was a black person eating with their hands, for instance, yeah. they would take that as them acting out their mental issues. Yeah, when in fact it's a cultural thing. Yeah, because that's what we do at home. Exactly, that's what that's, yeah. what. that's how we consume certain foods yeah. within our nations. So it's that lack of understanding. Like, is there is there processes in place to rectify these biases and lack of understanding?
1: There aren't processes yet, hmm. but. I think it's starting to happen, but it's a lack of understanding. And sometimes, mm. you know, if you have, let's say, you have a white male consultant, yeah. and you have a black pregnant female in labour who's saying she's in pain, mm. that consultant doesn't completely identify with that woman. Mm. Like, you it might, you might think, oh, she's just making it up, or she's, she's not in that much pain, I've yeah. seen worse. Uh, and whereas, a disconnect. Yeah, there's the a complete disconnect, yeah. and that's the thing, that's the implicit bias, and that's the thing that you have to know that you, you're capable of doing. Yeah. Unless you know that this is something that you could do, Mm. You're never going to address it, yeah, and that's what a lot of hospitals are starting to put in place, especially since COVID mm. is bias training and mm. understanding and recognizing the biases that you may not even know that you have.
0: Yeah. But
1: unless you know that you have something or you're doing something, you can never rectify it. Mm. So,
0: is, is the representation in, enough though to rectify the issue? So right now, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm just seeing a lot of nurses yeah. of um, ethnic backgrounds, mm. but maybe the people at the top end who, see, who get to deal with patients directly. Yeah. What's their representation like in order for...
1: <laughs> it's, not, it's not where it needs to be. So I mm. think at the moment, doctors, black doctors make up about So that's
0: that's at the consultant level. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Very disproportionate to the population. So black and ethnic minority consultants are about 3%. Mm. And then black, again, black and ethnic minority consultants are less likely to get what we call a substantive post in the NHS. Mm. So as a consultant, if you are substantive, you are Mm. then free to go do things like private work and private clinics. And if you are black, it is known that you are less likely to get one of those posts. And again, if you are black, you're, You get paid less than your white counterpart as a consultant. Mm. Somehow they figure out something to Mm. add on to someone else's pay, but you get paid less. So that representation is not there at the top end at all. It's starting to change slightly, but Mm. it's nowhere near there.
0: Do you think that would would go far away in terms of rectifying the issues of... I think so difference. because for me personally
1: yeah. i feel like i'm more likely to connect with a patient that i identify with yeah so if i was an obstetrician i'm more likely to re- to resonate with a black woman's pain mm. than let's say a 50 year old white male consultant
0: mm.
1: and un- unless you get that balance right and actually represent the population in the medical field there will mm. always be that cultural disconnect and that's when education comes in
0: yeah no definitely and, and now I mean I'm, I'm always of support of like um, rightful representation yeah. I don't I don't I'm not, I'm not a big fan of uh, equality of outcome but I'm a big fan of equality of opportunity yeah. and um, and also representation in the right places yeah. and I think medical field is definitely a right place because it can be a matter of life and death it really as can. we've seen in like the, yeah. the stats when it comes to um, pregnant women in the health field but in terms of like reporting so let's say for instance a woman of colour has had an issue within a hospital yeah. is that reported and if so is that processed correctly? And yeah. Adequately?
1: So our hospitals have something called DATEX which is mm. essentially the incident reporting form so something like maternal death is is what we call a never event it shouldn't happen Mm. so regardless of the ethnicity what's the the numbers
0: what's the ratio like so out of 10 how many births oh no it's
1: really low so I think off the top of my head for black women I think it's in the UK at the moment it's 40 deaths per 100,000 but for white women it's about 12 but a hundred thousand births. Yeah. So if a white woman's about twelve or nine. So or disproportionate. You know, yeah. So that's it is proportion. Yeah, yeah. The massive disproportion. And again, they they think that boils down to a few things. Black women being more likely to be older mothers. Mm. Um, and black women be more likely to have pre-existing health conditions, so the hypertension,s and the mm. diabetes, and the heart disease. But it's still a complete disproportionate, yeah. anyway. But it's always reported. Every maternal death is always reported. Every serious incident is always reported. Mm. And if it's very serious, there's always a, an investigation into and what could be, what could be learned from the situation, mm. rather than trying to blame someone. Some other, yeah. yeah.
0: So this process in place to rectify. But yeah. um, so as a as a black woman, for instance, what advice would you give to let's say a pregnant black woman coming to hospital in order for her to yeah. better equip herself to protect herself and not just for her as well but maybe for her partner yeah so that he has a bit be- he or she has a better understanding of how to protect their yeah. partners who have been placed in hospital thing
1: number one just always do your research mm. so know what you're getting yourself into know what the process is meant to be like in hospital when you get there know what pain relief is you're entitled to have mm. and make plans so if it's an epidural that you want to have make that plan before you get into hospital before it's too late Voice your concerns and write them down Mm. So even if if your partner has to write them down But voice your concern And the thing patients forget is that you are entitled to a second opinion Mm. So if you, let's say you're in pain or something doesn't feel quite right And you say it to a nurse, the nurse doesn't listen Tell the nurse that I want to speak to the doctor. Mm. And if the doctor comes and doesn't listen to you, or you don't feel like you're being taken seriously, you're entitled to a third opinion. Mm. Ask to speak to another doctor. Don't take no for an answer. Mm. And I think a lot of black women forget that. A lot of patients forget that because they see, oh, doctor-patient relationship, and there is that disconnect. But actually, this is your life at risk. Mm. And just, just voice everything that you are feeling. And just make sure that you are taken seriously. And at any point, if you don't feel like you're taken seriously, just get another opinion. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, so just be insistent. Like, yeah. just insist on it. Because I, I think one of the issues with, like, seeing people in, like, a position of power yeah. or authority is always that fear to speak up. Yeah. Yeah. Because There will you, always be that fear. There's always that fear. And yeah. there's always that assumption that they're always right. But yeah, they then, know they, what's going on. They know what's going but on. But at the end of the
1: day, I always tell people, you know your own body. And mm. you know when something just isn't quite right. Yeah. You know, as a patient, I tell my patients this, you just know when something isn't right. Mm. And the minute you know that that pregnancy is high risk already, it's a high mm. risk situation and it's not just one person's life at risk here, it's two mm. people's lives. So it needs to be taken seriously.
0: Yeah, most definitely. How do you how do you share your cultural knowledge within your sort of like workspace? <laughs> like because obviously you're going in there as a, as a nigerian lady yeah. and um you you're probably coming across nigerian patients yeah. as well you're seeing how other cultures are interacting with those yeah. but there must be some things that you see and maybe there might be mishaps or lack of understandings like how do you go about
1: I think it's just gently yeah. just highlighting to your colleagues yeah. that mm, no, not quite right. I think mm. the funniest thing that still ever happened to me was being called down to clinic to interpret for a Nigerian patient.
0: <laughs> and a person I'm speaking English.
1: Just speaking English. Yeah. It was just an old Nigerian man who yeah. was speaking English in, in the way he knows how to speak English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole time I thought, what is going on here? Yeah. And it was that moment using the chance to educate my colleague, you know, if you just slow down and be slightly more patient, yeah. you're know, like he's speaking English. Yeah. And it's the same with patients on the ward, you know, patients who refuse certain things and patients some patients, like black patients are more likely to refuse certain pain relief mm. or refuse certain things. And it's just understanding that and rather than, you know, taking it as a joke or taking it as for what it is, just explaining to the colleagues that actually yeah. this is this is what they're like. Mm. And understand that, and they tell
0: me move yeah. yeah, and also a bit of like There's, there's also that distrust as well from, With the patients to the, to the doctors as well Because I think, so culturally I was speaking to one of my friends, who's uh, yeah. a teacher And um, she was having issues Because she was working with children that had learning disabilities yeah. And she said the issue that she was finding Is that the clash between religion um, and science Yeah. So the te- she tends to have that problem a lot in schools yeah. Where they're trying to diagnose her kids who have learning difficulties, but she's refusing to accept it because of her religious and cultural background. Is that something that you face in the medical field as well?
1: To an extent, yes. But I think... (laughs) It's funny, once their life is at risk, or once your health is at they drop risk, everything, <laughs> everything drops yeah. and you just want to do everything you can do for yourself in yeah, that yeah. moment. I've only had one experience of a patient who just, I think this was when I was in F1, so it was four years ago. Mm. It was, and I remember it was a Nigerian patient who self-discharged from hospital mm. and I just thought, you're crazy.
0: What, what's the reason? He had for cancer disorder? and
1: he just left.
0: Serious?
1: Yeah, he just left. I, and I could not understand And I thought You know what You were back mm. Because Religion can only take you so far mm. Like that's the only time But most of the time When people's health is at risk yeah. The religion seems to take a back seat <laughs> yeah. like,
0: And they're not bringing the anointing on to the hospital are they? <laughs> I mean
1: Do you know what I have no problem Bring your anointing home to the hospital yeah. Bring your pastor to come pray mm. for you In the hospital But it's not going to harm you Yeah As long as you're not Doing, doing harm to yourself I'm, I'm good
0: Yeah Because um, I mean the, the discussion I was having Was that the importance of Because obviously Being Ghanaian yeah. And being of African as well I was like There's certain things That we need to learn How to combine the two And yeah. understand that They both work Coincide with I each other I think so Health is one your of your those betterment. things Yeah Definitely Health and education Particularly yeah. So these are the things That we need to pay More attention to We need to do our research yeah. As you said And understand more So we're better equipped To protect ourselves Yeah Definitely Those within our community So that's of vital importance Yeah Definitely no. No, definitely. but um so what, what, what's your advice for like um someone who's aspiring to become a doctor? Like a young person out okay. there aspiring to become a doctor and being on the assumption that they have to study for the whole of their lives. Cause whenever I look at doctors, you, I you just do. feel like <laughs> unfortunately I'm not
1: gonna you do have to study for a lot all of, book of your, reading, your life. Isn't it? Like, there yeah. is a lot of book reading and you're always learning because mm. there's always gonna be new research published on how to treat certain conditions, yeah. there's always gonna be something published, so you're always learning. But I think mm. that's what I like about it. Mm. You know, you're always learning. So even just this morning I was reading a quick research paper on how to treat certain practices in the L. Mm. And it's just something that's come out So you're always learning But the good thing is It's the one job That you're not sat at a desk Mm. You're seeing different people From different walks of life Mm. And you're actually making a difference To people's lives And there aren't many jobs And many careers That give you that opportunity Mm. So if you want to do it Number one, do your research Okay, I always say do a research, go on work experience, visit mm. your GP. If you go to your local GP practice, they will let you just sit in for three days. Oh, you have real? to sign a few forms. Do you have to be a I student do to do that. Always, you got to be, so be a student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you got to be trustworthy.
0: not yeah. just <laughs> <Like, laughs> not just a randomer. Random, but yeah, yeah.
1: like most, I did one at my GP practice, mm. uh, and I did one at my local hospital. You just yeah. apply. That all hospitals have this. You yeah. apply for work experience, and they will let you shadow for a week just oh, to amazing. see what it's like. And you have to understand that it's hard work. Uni for five years is hard work. Wow. And that's the minimum. Most people do six years of uni.
0: Yeah.
1: uh, Because you will most likely do a second degree, what you call it, intercalation. Mm. So it is hard work. But the hard work pays off. Yeah, it's not great pay. So if yeah. it's money that you want, this is the wrong career It's more sat- satisfaction. For you. It's, more it's more satisfaction. satisfaction yeah. You know, it's not great pay, but it's not bad mm. pay. Mm. Like I won't say I'm paid badly at all. Yeah. But it's you know compared to you know your high flying city counterparts, mm. I might probably not be paid m- as much. Yeah, but as everyone's them.
0: purpose in life but, is different. Yeah, they get their joy. In yeah, exactly. I, I like my job. You know, mm.
1: I once I would say eighty percent of the time I like my job, and I don't think most people can say that. Mm. So like was it that like you love off. most
0: about it for it to reach eighty percent more?
1: Do you know what? It's the patient interaction. Yeah. I have stories for days yeah. of just strange people, happy people, yeah. and just different patients that you meet. And then you, some people, you make a difference in their lives to send you a nice little basket, mm. to send you a card, and it's just knowing that these people remember you because you've done something for them. Mm. That at their lowest point, and you, you have to understand that people don't want to come into hospital. Yeah. Most people, anyway. Some people are. Strange, but most people don't (laughs) want to come into hospital So the fact that they're there, they're already vulnerable Mm. It's probably one of the lowest points of their day, their week, their month, their year, whatever it is Mm. So being able to actually make a difference in that moment of vulnerability for a patient It feels good, I like it
0: Yeah. What would you say is your one single favourite moment whilst being a doctor? Hmm like what's that one moment I picked up here? a
1: cancer by accident in a patient so this is when I used to work yeah. in A&E and um, a lady came in with like a hoarse voice and one of the causes of a hoarse voice that's been going on for like six months is actually yeah. chest like lung cancer oh wow so I thought okay and I could have just sent her away and be like oh off you go bye mm.
0: and
1: I just thought oh, shit, let me do a chest x-ray for you That's mm. just before you go And there was a massive cancer right there, and it was picked up early; it hadn't spread. So she had treatment. I followed her up actually for about six months, and Mm. she was completely fine. And I called her, just looked up her information, called her. She's like, "Oh my gosh, I did not remember your name, Mm. Uh, but this was like two, three years ago. I didn't remember your name. I just want to say thank you so much." And then the next day, her and her daughter came into hospital with all this presents oh, and nice. gifts. And I think that's probably the most touching thing yeah. that's ever happened to me as a doctor. That's like
0: inadvertently saving someone's life. Yeah. Though, because they, it wasn't something that was clear. No. And then you just put it in. Yeah, it was just something yeah. I thought
1: about. I thought, you know what? Let me just... I felt really proud of myself. Mm. <laughs> but I, There was no thought process behind it. I just yeah. thought, oh, let's just do a chest X-ray. Why not?
0: Yeah. Final question. So, what, what do you, what would you say for like the the so there's a lack of representation. Yeah. We understand that there's a lack of like cultural understanding and um, awareness yeah. within the workspace, and we understand that. And we're trying to now encourage more people of color, yeah. more people of various cultural backgrounds to get into the field. What would you say to these individuals? What's what's a form of encouragement? Why is it so important for them to be in this field?
1: I think the main reason is that some of these patients it's you that they need to listen to them.
0: Mm.
1: You know, you have, I have certain black patients, young women, and those young women will not necessarily open up to a white yeah. man in his 50s. And there are patients out there that, unless they see someone that looks like them, that mm. they can resonate with, they will probably never be okay because they will always hold back a little bit. So there are people out there, if you are a young black male, young black female thinking about being a doctor, there are people out there who need you. Mm. And that representation is so important. And unless we, I feel like we look out for ourselves. Mm. And unless you're in it for the right reasons, you will never understand it. But having patients who look like you you're more likely to resonate with them and you're more likely to make a bigger difference Mm. to their lives. So the one thing I can say is work hard and there are patients out there, not now but in the future, who who are depending on you Mm. to become that doctor.
0: Yeah that's that's a beautiful way of putting it there's people out there that need you yeah. and that's that's a vital now um you, you recently started a um, youtube page
1: i did where you're, you're sharing
0: all your your vast knowledge yeah. and also your take on what's currently happening within the medical field yeah. and i've w- watched a lot of your videos and i think they're a great source of information especially coming from someone who i resonate with and, yeah. I, and i understand and i can relate with to a certain extent now can you tell us a bit about the, the page what is the page called and what's what's the aim of the page
1: Yay! so the page is dr cynthia fire me and yeah. Can
0: you spelled it that out. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull the details Cynthia, in here.
1: <laughs> F A Y O M I. In yeah. case you missed it. Yeah. And the reason I started it actually was um, during the peak of COVID. There was a lot of misinformation out there. Mm. You know WhatsApp university people there was. <laughs> oh,
0: of course. All the aunties. <laughs> all the
1: aunties. You know, gargle with oh vinegar. All of this. All of that. And yeah. I just thought. You know, sometimes you just need someone to address the misinformation. And I started it off on Instagram initially, and it got good response. And I thought, oh, I can do this on YouTube as well. And Mm. I actually just changed people's perspectives. And sometimes people are more likely to resonate with someone who looks like them Mm. on YouTube. You know, there aren't many black doctors on YouTube. Mm. And just giving the right information. There is a lot of false information out there that I want to try and rectify. Or at least clear up. Yeah. I'll do my part to clear up that,
0: that's that's super important and I've, that's something that i've learned as well since podcasting because yeah. my, my podcast is based off of like information and content that i consume so yeah. things that are personal and interesting to me yeah. and sometimes some of the information doesn't necessarily sit within like one cultural sphere yeah so it's like but i'm introducing people to it yeah, exactly. so there's a lot of young black boys that contact me and be like i didn't know about this yeah, thing. I don't know about like the history and the biology or yeah, like exactly. evolution. Yeah. But now it's just things that I'm interested in. Yeah. And now I'm introducing them to it and they're only listening to it because they relate to me, they yeah. see me as one of their own. And that's what's great about what you're doing. There's people out there that are missing information. Yeah. Once they see you, they're gonna see you as one of their own. So they're more yeah. likely to give to you that minute you. <laughs> yeah. or to, or to believe you because yeah. everyone's distrustful of the other. It's yeah. just is innately in us, it's yeah, just no, who definitely. we are. Yeah, so I'll definitely encourage people to go and check out your page. Please have a look. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna promote it, I'm gonna put all the links down below Thank as well and we're definitely going to catch up on various other things so appreciate you for coming on this thank you for
1: having me thank Thank you you for coming
0: through boom that was it thanks got that done